Consider your trials pure joy, a strange teaching for those with faith. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good morning, my friends. We are now out of the Gospel of Luke and moving into the Epistle of James. An epistle is a letter, um, and it's a letter written uh, with a purpose. Uh, Paul is the most prolific writer of New Testament letters, and often his letters were focused at um, particular churches that he was founding or that he had a pastoral connection to. James's letter is um, aimed at believers, all believers, believers who are new to the faith, believers who are mature in the faith, calling them back to the basics about what it means to be uh, an active and sincere disciple of Jesus Christ. James is the author of this letter. Um, he is regarded as uh, the earthly brother of Jesus. In other words, he came out of the same family line as uh, Jesus' mother, uh, but his father would have been Joseph. And um, so they were brothers in the earthly sense. Uh, James did not become a follower of Jesus until after the resurrection. He's noted in the New Testament as being a pillar in the church Uh, of Jerusalem and the Jerusalem church. And so he was uh, instrumental in the leadership in that church. And we also know from history that he was martyred in AD 62 for his faith in Jesus. So he is one of the sincere followers of Christ who, um, who lost his life for his faith in Jesus. And so this is a, this is a man worthy of being listened to. And um, I think the, the, the text that we read uh, throughout the letter of James uh, is a powerful one. It's very challenging because it does call us to a faith that both hears the word but also does it and applies it. Um, so when we talk about doing the word of God, we're talking about applying the teachings of Scripture and uh, hearing them pondering them, reflecting on them, meditating on them, all good practices, but of no good ultimately if we don't apply them. And so the doing of the word is the application of the word in our lives and the carrying out of the word um, and faithfulness to Jesus. Um, We don't do anything as people of faith on the basis of trying to earn God's respect, to earn God's favor, to earn a better position uh, in, in heaven, any of those kinds of things. Um, that's works righteousness, and that's not the teaching of the gospel, and that's to be avoided and to be rejected. Um, but we do, or we apply the word and faithfulness to Jesus out of a loving response to what he's done for us. And so the doing that James is talking about, the application of God's word that James will be talking about throughout his letter, uh, is simply the doing, uh, the, the doing of faith, the living out of faith in response to all that God has done for us. All right, my friends, so we're going to be studying today James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And uh, before we get into the text, let's go before the Father. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you so much 
for your faithfulness in teaching us through your word. And we are excited, Lord God, as we are on the precipice of starting a new study into the epistle of James. And we look forward to unpacking this letter uh, written to the believers. Um, And we want to glean as much as we can, Lord God, so that we can apply uh, these teachings to the maximum effect in our walk of faith. Uh, Lord, we want to be faithful to you uh, out of our love for you. Uh, because you have done so much for us. And uh, Lord, um, you ask us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of it also. So help us apply the things that your spirit will teach us as we study together. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. All right, as we begin to look at this section of the text and unpack it, we see that James announces himself uh, as the author. Uh, He says that he is a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he does not announce which James he is because there's lots of James uh, floating around the inner circle of Jesus uh, in and around the time of his earthly life and eventual resurrection and ascension. Uh, We know from unpacking the history and context that this is James, the brother of Jesus. He's writing this to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, and he greets them. Now, he has in mind this being uh, an evangelistic letter to the 12 tribes, the Jewish tribes. He's trying to reach uh, his brothers and sisters uh, out of the Jewish faith. But obviously, um, what he writes has wide appeal to all believers at all times. And then he moves into this very interesting section, and verse 2 may be one of the most interesting and curious verses in all of the New Testament, in that the very wording of it seems so counterintuitive to our minds and hearts. (laughs) He says in verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my friends, when you face trials of many kinds. Most of us do not go into thinking about trials and difficulties with uh, an attitude of joy. And that is precisely what James is encouraging us to do. He says, consider it pure joy when you face these trials. Not because trials in and of themselves are pleasant things to go through, uh, but because in verse 3 he says, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so what he's saying is the trial uh, and, the, and the going through it faithfully and the going through it with an attitude of joy does something in you that is of good benefit to you. He says that trial, that testing of your faith produces perseverance. Well, now what is perseverance? Per- perseverance is 
continuing on with Jesus uh, on a trajectory of faith, believing in God's will, purpose, and plan for your life. It is, it is sometimes trudging through with Jesus, uh, trudging through the difficulty, trudging through the hard time, trudging through the, the doubt, trudging through um, the difficult experience, believing that God is present, that God is at work, and that God has a plan through it. Perseverance is just that going through. It's that continual, committed, um, going through um, a certain experience. It's pushing through, pushing on. It's the determination uh, not to turn back, uh, not to give up hope. And um, so James says there's great value in trials because they produce that perseverance. And then he encourages us to let perseverance finish its work so that you be may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so another result of persevering through difficulties and hardships is that it matures us in our faith. It grows us up uh, from the elementary things of faith uh, into a mature and adult faith. We see God at work. We see God being faithful to his promises. We see God establishing our footing and putting us on solid ground through these struggles. And it completes us. Because we learn that we can trust him. We learn that we can depend on God, that he will see us through whatever we're facing. And he says, in that, you will be lacking nothing. You won't be lacking anything. He says in verse 5, but if you do lack something, for instance, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God for it. And God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, uh, will give you what you ask for, if it's wisdom, if it's strength, if it's encouragement, if it's um, some form of um, uh, edification that you need, uh, if you need some courage, if you need victory over fear, ask God for it. And God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and what's James mean by that? James means that God is not judging you on the basis of your failures and mistakes. If your heart is for Jesus and you proclaim Christ and you're striving to walk out your faith journey with him and, and you're sincere in your faith and, you're, and you really want to grow as a, as a disciple, then if you ask God for something, he'll be faithful to give it. If it's wisdom, it'll be wisdom. If it's uh, uh, encouragement, if it's leadership, if it's discernment, if you ask God for these things, um, these spiritual giftings, he'll provide them. Uh, he gives generously. He's not remembering your past faults and failures. He is, he is present with you in the moment, and he will meet you at the level of your commitment in that moment, at the level of your desire in that moment. He's not looking for some future attainment of growth. He'll meet you in the moment, and he'll provide that which you ask for if your heart is sincerely for him. And then in verse 6, James says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And so you ask in faith, believing he will provide. And when that door to doubt slips in, James says you're like a wave of the sea being tossed to and fro. Um, you're not going to get anything from the Lord if that is the posture you're taking. Doubts come. We all know that. Um, but what James is is attacking here in verse 6 is, is the way that doubt 
destroys faith. Um, what he's saying is if you need something on the spiritual level, if you need anything, even on the physical level, if you go to God who gives generously and you ask for it, believing in faith um, that he can provide and not opening the door to doubt, then you'll receive it. But if the if you open the door to doubt and if you're praying doubtfully, isn't that something interesting that we can pray doubtfully? And I think sometimes we do. And in a real sense, those are kind of wasted prayers. Because we're saying, Lord, this is what I'm desperate for, but I doubt that you can do it. I doubt that you can follow through with this. I doubt that you are the answer. And so we're telling God that we, in the the asking of the thing, we're telling God that we don't believe he can come through for us. And James says, you're not going to receive anything from the Lord if that's the posture you're taking in prayer. He says instead, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. And so he's talking about asking with a confident faith, not doubting that God can provide, but believing that God can provide for that very thing and then some. Believing that God is, in fact, the answer, that he is the one who can provide for the thing that you're asking for. That's believing and not doubting. But when we doubt, we are like that wave being blown and tossed by the wind. And it's not that God doesn't want to give us that thing. It's that when he sees we doubt his provision, he can't provide for us. We are hindering him from providing because the answer he gives us or the response to our request won't be enough for us in that place of doubt. He says in verse 8 that such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Um, their faith needs to be girded up. (laughs) They're in a place of weak faith, and they need to persevere some more with Jesus and trust him some more. And then if they ask for wisdom or discernment or help or whatever it is they need, then as their faith grows and as as they have learned, they can trust and depend on God. When they ask, they will ask believing and not doubting. My friends, is there something in your life that you've been asking the Lord for that you've been um, praying doubtful prayers about that you really haven't believed, but that your doubts have overcome your belief that God is the answer in those situations. I would ask you to reconsider how you're praying, to look closely at your posture and prayer, to look closely at what you're praying and how you're praying it, and then to go back to God with simple, trusting, confident faith and say, Lord, I know that you're the answer. I know that you will provide. And I am seeking your face, Lord God, for this thing that I need. And trust him without doubting and see what God does. All right, my friends, I'm excited about where this journey into James's letter is going to take us. And I'm excited uh, to be studying together with you. It is my prayer, as always, that the Lord would um, continue to stir within your heart as you consider these things today. God bless.